Hey there, my name is Derek Duvall, and I'm the lead pastor of Awakened City Church in Harriman, Utah, a suburb of Salt Lake City. And I want to thank you for checking us out. Awakened City exists to connect people from all walks of life with the hope that's found in Jesus. And we hope this message will be a blessing to you. For more information, you can visit awakenslc.com. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. If you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and grab those and turn to Isaiah chapter 9 uh, is where we'll be. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be a Bible somewhere around you. It's blue. Uh, that's, uh, you're welcome to use that. We'll also have the verses up on the screen. Um, but that is, if you don't own God's Word or uh, have a Bible in your home, we would love for you to just keep that. So you can uh, just grab that and use it today and then take it home with you. We want you to have God's word in your home. But Isaiah chapter 9 is where we're going to be. And while you're turning there, um, as you just saw, the video highlights for us uh, the four names that are given to this coming child. That since uh, the beginning of time, from Adam and Eve on, they have been waiting for this child, this promised one, this son who would come and rescue God's people. And in Isaiah, we find uh, God giving or we find Isaiah giving them, God speaking through him, uh, but giving God's people a prophecy that tells them who this child will be and what he will be like. And these are not just arbitrary names that are just given. Uh, these describe who he will be. And so Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, let's read that together. It says, Isaiah, or it says, For to us a child is born, and to us the son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, if you've been with us the past uh, several weeks, then you know that we have been focusing on this one verse for the entire month of December. And then, we've not just been focused on this one verse, but we've been taking one name each week and kind of digging in and diving in. What does this name mean for us as God's people? And what does it tell us about who uh, our God is? We've been trying to unpack it, who this uh, promised child will be. So today we come to uh, the last week in our series, and we are looking at the final name that is given to this promised child, and that is Prince of Peace. Now, I don't know about you, um, but, but I could use a little extra peace around this time of year. If you know me, then you, you already know that I have five children who are 10 years and under, and uh, just a couple nights ago, I was telling Kristen, my wife, I said, hey, let's like put on a movie uh, or, or something, just to get like a moment of quiet, right? Like, I just want a, a second of peace. Because all the Christmas goodies are awesome, but all the extra uh, sugar is taking the chaos to a whole nother level. Anyone else with me on that one? It's like, man, I love the sweets, but it's taking the chaos in my home to a whole nother level. Uh, and it probably starts with me, right? I don't need all the sugar either. But, so we, we find, um, so, so we long, rather, maybe it's better to put it, to have some moments in which we can find uh, that peace. And, and we feel like, you know what, finding peace right now, it just feels really important in the chaos of everything that is already going on. And so Isaiah tells us that this child will be, for God's people, the Prince of Peace. But the peace that this child will bring will be far greater than some peace and tranquility in the home. 
It'll be far greater than just turning on a movie or getting um, some quiet time alone. The kind of peace that that brings isn't the kind of peace, isn't just the kind of peace that Jesus brings. He, makes, he brings a much greater uh, peace for us, a much deeper peace, a peace that goes uh, much further. And that's what we truly want. We, that, that's what we truly need, right? We want this kind of peace. And ultimately, this is the kind of peace that we need. And Jesus gives to us what you and I desperately long for, but have no power in and of ourselves to obtain. Peace internally, peace uh, in our relationships with others, and then ultimately, peace in our relationships with God. And so he gives us peace internally, peace externally, and peace eternally. Uh, and so in, in a short time this afternoon, I want to unpack that just a bit for us. Uh, and I want to do that by first uh, looking at a passage of Scripture that in the New Testament I think gives us one of the uh, clearest pictures of the peace that we want, but apart from Jesus, have no power to bring it about ourselves. And again, all, all my cards on the table, that's what I want us to see in our short time this morning, or this afternoon rather, is that the peace that we want is only truly obtainable through Christ, through this child who would come, through Jesus and so in the Gospel of Mark, he uh, accounts for us, or he recounts a, a time in which Jesus and his disciples are crossing the Sea of Galilee. They've gotten into a boat, and this is what we read in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 37. It says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, that's Jesus, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, I shared actually that passage a few weeks ago when we were discussing how Jesus is the mighty God. That's another one of the four names that's given in Isaiah's prophecy. So I, I said, um, only a mighty God can look at the storm and the wind and say, peace, be still, and it obeys him, right? This afternoon, I want to come to this passage from a slightly different angle. I'll look at verse 37 again. It says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. And now that's enough to give uh, many of us, uh, to, to take us into maybe a, a little bit of a panic attack, right? Just thinking about that, and the water filling in your boat, and going, okay, we're not going to make it. And so the waves are crashing into the boat, and they're filling it up. And remember, these are experienced fishermen that are out on the water. This isn't their first go on a boat, right? And so they're scared. They've surely seen storms before, but this one's bigger than the normal storms. They're taking the buckets of water, and they're trying to empty it, but the water's filling up quicker than they're able to uh, dump it out. And so they've gotten desperate, and desperate enough that they humble themselves. They go to Jesus, and they say to him, then they seek out help, and they're like, hey, teacher, Help us, right? The, the, it, our boat is filling. Do you not care that we're perishing? Again, what does Jesus do? 
says, it gets up, he rebukes the wind and the sea, and instantly there's peace. And Jesus was the only one who could bring that peace. Not just in that moment, but ever, right? I don't know if you've ever tried to tell the wind to stop or waves to calm down, but it, it doesn't work, right? It's futile. Jesus is the only one who can bring peace in this moment, in this storm. Well, I think we can take this event, broaden it out a bit, uh, and see how this can apply to uh, this bigger picture idea of peace in our own lives. Sometimes the best way to describe a word is to say what it's not. And so peace is the absence of chaos. It's the absence of turmoil and distress. And peace in relationships is the absence of hostility and conflict. And so if we then step that back one more, peace in our lives looks like an absence of eternal chaos and turmoil and distress. And peace in our relationships is the absence of conflict uh, and hostility. Now, I do want you to notice that I said peace is the absence of internal chaos and distress, right? Because it doesn't mean that there isn't chaos or there doesn't appear to be chaos on the outside, but internally there's no distress going on, right? Maybe the best way I can explain it is, like I said a second ago, I have five children. So there are times in which there is chaos going around, uh, on around me. And for people who uh, maybe aren't around kids a lot or my kids, right, they're distressed. But for me, there's no distress going on. I'm totally calm inside while the kids are just running around crazy, right? Because I'm used to it. So there, there's, there's external chaos, but internal, there's peace to a degree. And so let me try to unpack that just a little bit and keep us on track here. All of us walked in here today with situations that are not at complete peace. Maybe it's in a relationship that you're dealing with that's only heightened by the holidays as you have to get together and you have family get-togethers. Maybe it's around finances and wondering how you're going to pay the credit card bill off this year and all the stuff that you've accumulated onto it because of Christmas and wanting to get the right gifts. And for you, when you think about that, it just stirs up anxiety in your heart. Maybe for you, it's around a job or a living situation. Or maybe it's a lack of peace with where you're at in life. Or maybe it's even deeper and you're not exactly sure what it is. You just know there's a lack of peace there. Because, you know, something is missing. Missing Something is still not right. And there's just this lack of peace still. So in every one of those situations, or whatever that one is for you, maybe for you it's something else, Jesus offers to us peace in it. He is the Prince of Peace. Peace internally, peace externally, and peace eternally. So that's how I want to spend just the last few minutes of our time is unpacking what I mean by those three. First, Jesus offers to us internal peace. Uh, and the two main ways that he offers to us internal peace is through his word and through the Holy Spirit. 
We see in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. The Bible tells us that when we place our faith in Jesus, His Spirit lives in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us that. And the fruit of the Spirit in us is peace. And that peace works its way out in us when we know and we apply his word to our lives. And this literally could be a sermon in and of itself. We don't have time this morning. Actually, it could be a multi-week sermon. But anyways, when we recognize that the things that are going to be under the tree tomorrow morning aren't going to satisfy us, then we can have a peace when they don't. Right? Or maybe that gift for you is... The gift I always hoped I'd have in the commercial where there's a car with a big fat bow on it. Maybe it's in the driveway tomorrow morning, not under the tree. But knowing whatever that thing is, if you know it's not ultimately going to satisfy you, then at noon tomorrow when you open all the gifts and the house is a disaster and there's wrapping paper everywhere and you already have a sinking feeling of that wasn't it. When you already know those things aren't going to satisfy you, then you can have a peace when you give out awesome gifts and you celebrate Because you aren't looking for that to truly provide the hope and joy that you long for. It's only found in Jesus. And when you recognize that, then there's a peace even when there feels like chaos or emptiness. When we understand that that money and recognition won't fill that hole in our hearts, then we can have a peace when we don't have the money and the recognition we hoped we would have. When, when we learn that there's no amount of good works that we could do to make ourselves right before God, but it's only by faith alone in Jesus that we can be made right, then there's an overwhelming sense of peace and we can then operate out of a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving instead of duty and guilt. And in every situation, God's word and his truth, they guide us down a path that leads to complete peace. And that's only made possible through Jesus, through this coming child that we celebrate. Philippians 4, 7 says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus offers to us internal peace. Second, Jesus offers to us external peace. Peace with others. He offers us external peace. And in many ways, it comes about the same two ways. Through God's word and through his spirit that we find this kind of peace. And so when we understand from God's word that this life isn't about us, but it's about him, Jesus, when we understand that, then we When we look at Jesus to define who we are and not others to define who we are, it allows for us to live lives where we don't have to be the center. Where everything doesn't have to revolve around us. And when life doesn't have to be about us and our needs, then we don't get so fired up when someone cuts us off in traffic. We we don't get so worked up when we get passed over in a job situation or when, when you're at a, a, a mommy meetup and at the park and women are talking about you behind your back. 
Because your identity isn't in what those people think about you. Your identity isn't in, hey, this world revolves around me and you cut me off in traffic, right? This is my road. I don't know what you think you're doing, right? When, when, when we can understand that this world's not about us, but it's about him, then when things happen externally, there can continue to be a peace because we go, you know, it's not about me anyways, right? We can have external peace with others because we're able to turn the other cheek. Where we're able to forgive quickly, even if they don't ask for it. Even if they don't ask for forgiveness, we're able to forgive them quickly. And we're able to move on. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You can't control how others live, but you can control how you live with others. And you can live with external peace from your end, right? From my end, there's going to be peace here. You can be mad, you can be upset, whatever. I don't want that to be there. But ultimately, I have a peace. And then lastly, and this is how I want to end our time this morning, Jesus makes it possible for us to live at peace eternally. To live at peace eternally. And what I mean by that is not that we will live in peace forever, although it does mean that we will have that as well. But what I mean by it is, just like our sin brings hostility and conflict and division in our personal relationships, our sin brings hostility and division in our relationship with God. Romans chapter 8 verse 7 says this, for the mind that is set on the flesh, and so that's when we love anything more than we love Jesus. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Our sin has made us hostile toward God and he's brought, it's brought division between us. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says this, But your iniquities, your sins have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. But here's the good news. And I want to quickly point us back to Mark chapter 4, where we began, when the disciples are on the water. Do you remember what the disciples ask? Uh, when they, they think the boat's going to go down, what they ask? They say in verse 38, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? And he does, obviously. And he saves them that day from the storm. Well, we might be tempted to ask God uh, the same question today in our own lives when we lack peace, either internally or externally. Jesus, do you not care? Do you not see me and what I'm going through? And to that we read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Paul says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope. And without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, 
who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. Does he care? Does he care? Yes, he cares. And he came 2,000 years ago to prove to us he cares. And he gave his life that we might have life. He took the hostility that we might have peace. And this Prince of Peace offers to us this afternoon the greatest peace we could ever know. Peace internally, peace externally, and peace eternally. And if you don't know him today, if you don't have a relationship with him, if your heart is not captivated by Jesus, not I'll do these things so he'll accept me, but I do these things because he has accepted me, because he loves me. And I want, I believe his ways are best for me. So I want to walk in obedience to them. Not because I got to check boxes, but because I know in following him, that's what's best for me. That's what brings him greatest glory and praise. And that's what brings me greatest joy. And so I want to walk in obedience to his commands. Do you know him this morning? Because this gift, the greatest gift ever, has been offered to every single person in this room. And so I don't know where you are at this morning or this afternoon, but I want to encourage you just in the next few moments as just some music plays in the background before we sing again, to just reflect and to think, where am, where am I at this morning? Not, not where is the person who came with me today, where am I at? And maybe for you, it's a heart of gratitude for what God has done and the peace that he's given you. Or maybe for you, it's a recognition, I don't have that peace that he's talking about and I want it. And that gift of peace, the gift of life and joy and hope has been offered to every single person in here through faith alone in Christ alone. So I want to give us a moment to think, pray. If you need to talk to someone, we'll be here around to talk at the end of service. You're welcome to talk with us. Or maybe if you came with someone who knows Jesus, I encourage you, talk with them. But we want to give you a moment to reflect and we want to continue singing some songs in worship.